Hey, hey, what's up, guys? Welcome back to the Honor Rock Podcast. I want to give a special thank you to everybody for helping us surpass over 500 downloads within the last few days. So thank you guys for all the support, all the love, and everything that you've been doing to support this show. So today we're going to be talking about Dr. Anthony Fauci saying that the coronavirus is unnatural. And so um, this is going to be very, very interesting because in the very beginning, when people called out the, the theory of this virus being man-made from a laboratory in China, guess what happened? They were deplatformed. Those videos were taken down. They were censored and they were called conspiracy theorists. Okay. Now, after um, Senator Rand Paul called out Dr. Anthony Fauci directly in front of Congress, he suspiciously got a package in the mail threatening his life. Okay. So I'm going to show you a couple of clips and then I'm going to come back to the rest of my commentary. So let me just pull up the clip of the original conversation between um, Senator Ron Paul and Dr. Fauci. And then I'm going to show you what he received in the mail. And I'm going to show you um, what's happening in Texas right now because they are, I believe, Florida is placing a ban on big tech censorship. So let's pull that up. So. All right, so here's the clip. Let me share my screen. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entire, entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain of function research in the Wuhan Institute. Do they fund Dr. Barrett? Dr. Barrett is not doing gain of function research, and if it is, it's according to the guidelines, and it is being conducted in North Carolina. You don't think it's turning a bad virus spike protein that he got from the Wuhan Institute into the SARS virus as gain of function? That is not a minority because at least 200 scientists have signed a statement in the Cambridge Working Group saying that it is gain of function. Well, it is not. And if you look at the grants, if you look at the progress reports, it is not gain of function, despite the fact that people tweet that. So do you still support it? sending money to the Wuhan Virology Institute? We do not send money now to the Wuhan the support sending money. We did, under your tutelage, we were sending it through EcoHealth. It was a sub-agency right. and a sub-grant. Do you support the money from NIH that was going to the Wuhan Institute? Let me explain to you why that was done. The SARS-CoV-1 originated in bats in China. It would have been irresponsible of us if we did not investigate the bat viruses and the serology to see who might have been well, infected. Perhaps it would be possible to send it to the Chinese government that we may not be able to trust with this uh, knowledge and with this uh, incredibly dangerous viruses. 
government scientists like yourself who favor gain of function research. I don't favor gain of function research in Chinese that are not correct. Government defenders of gain of function, such as yourself, say that COVID-19 uh, mutations were random and not designed by man. But interestingly, the technique that Dr. Barrett developed forces mutations by serial passage through cell culture that the mutations appear to be natural. In fact, Dr. Barrett named the technique the noceum technique because the mutations appear naturally. Nicholas Baker in the New York Magazine said, nobody would know if the virus had been fabricated in a laboratory or grown in nature. Government authorities in the U.S., including yourself, unequivocally denied that COVID-19 could have escaped the lab. But even Dr. Xi in Wuhan wasn't so sure. According to Nicholas Baker, Dr. Xi wondered, could this new virus have come from her own laboratory? She checked her records frantically and found no matches. That really took a load off my mind, she said. I had not slept for days. The director of the gain-of-function research in Wuhan couldn't sleep because she was terrified that it might be in her lab. Dr. Barrick, an advocate of gain-of-function research, admits the main problem with the Institute of Virology has is the outbreak occurred in close proximity. What are the odds? Barrick responded, could you rule out a laboratory escape? The answer in this case is probably not. Will you in front of this group categorically say that COVID-19 could not have occurred through serial passage in a laboratory? I do not have any accounting of what the Chinese may have done and I'm fully in favor of any further investigation of what went on in China. However, I will repeat again, the NIH and NIAID categorically has not funded gain of function research to be conducted in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. All right, so, so you guys just saw that clip of uh, Senator Ron Paul going back and forth with uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci. Now, suspiciously, it looks like Senator Ron Paul got something very disturbing in the mail. Um, so I'm going to pull up this news article. There may be a clip, but he received something very suspicious in the mail recently. So... Let's look at this clip from the Hill, and I'm going to come back with the rest of my commentary. At Verizon, we are investing $3 billion to help those who need it most and close America's digital divide. Because we believe no one should be left behind. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky, a Republican, is calling out American pop singer Richard Marks after the lawmaker received a package containing an unidentified white powder at his home in Kentucky on May 24th, along with what amounts to a death threat an image of Paul in bandages with a gun to his head, a reference to an assault on the senator by his neighbor in 2017 that left Paul with broken ribs. The note reads, quote, I'll finish what your neighbor started, you mother effer. Paul pointed to a May 23rd tweet by Marx that said if he ever met Paul's neighbor, he would, quote, hug him and buy him as many drinks as he could consume. Paul told Fox News that he considers the threat of the package credible. 
Marx has implied that he did not send the package. So you guys just saw that. Now, we don't know who sent the package for sure, but um, you got to be pretty fucking stupid to be sending a package to an elected Republican um, House representative. It's just not smart. Um, I'm sure they'll be able to figure out who it was eventually. Um, but for now, um, I was highly suspicious of that because it seems like um, Rand Paul has definitely brought this lab leak theory to the mainstream and to the forefront of the government. And now it looks like Anthony Fauci is definitely, definitely going down. Okay. So I have another video that I want to show you um, just briefly from Rumble, where people are predicting that Dr. Anthony Fauci will be fired within 90 days. Okay. So this is really, really interesting because Anthony Fauci originally denied any type of connection to this gain of function research. He denied any type of um, knowledge of this, any type of connection to this. And now it's all coming out and it's actually blowing up in his face. So what a shift in just a year, how things have changed. So this is the clip that I'm going to show you right now. This clip is on Rumble. So let me play that. All right, and let's press play. That's why I got to ask you, Dr. Navarro. You deal in the world not of comments information things from communication strategies. You deal in the real world of math and numbers. And you you've known Fauci and engaged with Fauci since the 27th of January of 2020. The whole throwdown you had with him. They're best friends, right? The whole throwdown with him. As you see what Boris just said, when he finally admits, and I think it was May May of, of 2021, that oh yeah, you know we should really should investigate all that. Sir, what do you think about the reality of what happened in Wuhan versus what Tony Fauci knew and when he knew it, sir? Tony Fauci is the father of the virus. It came from that lab. Tony Fauci funded that lab through third parties like Peter Daszak, Ralph Barrick, and worked with the bat lady on those experiments. We know that. And Tony Fauci greased the skids for gain-of-function experimentation, which weaponizes virus. We know all that, but here's the thing. Here's I want to put this on the record. Fauci's going to be gone within within 90 days, uh, and here's why. You and I, back in January, you and I both knew when we started hearing January January, January January 2020 January 2020. Year. We knew yeah, in January of 2020, you and I, that there was a big potential for a pandemic, and that thing likely came from the lab. You and I knew that. Why did we know that? We knew that because our understanding of the evilness of the Chinese Communist Party, and I had written about a possible pandemic in my coming China report 2006. Why am I saying this? I'm saying this because Tony Fauci, when that news came out of Tony Fauci, right, when he's sitting and he first hears that news, what is he thinking, right? What does he know? Well, he, he knows that that thing likely came from Wuhan Institute of Virology. He knows that. Amen. And why does he know that? because he knows that he gave money to that lab and he knows that he paid for the gain of function experimentation. And he knows that that experimentation done by the bat lady was designed to design a deadly virus because she thanked him publicly for giving him the money to do it. So 
here's the thing, Steve. Anthony Fauci knew all of that in January and February. But what did he do? Basically, he positioned himself in yeah. 20, January 20, 2020. Yeah. He knew all of that. He knew that he paid for the lab yeah. and came from the lab and he had a big responsibility. Did he go out and apologize? No, what he did was position himself as the hero just apologize. of the whole he movement. He forget the, forget apologizing. Stop. He, for, he he apologize. Stop. I don't care about his stop. I don't care about his apology. He never informed people and was honest That's with people right. in the administration right. and people exactly. in the American people. I don't care. His apology means nothing to me. He what is him even taking responsibility? Taking taking what was critical point, to save lives point, was him to come up and be honest. My Sorry. point is think about all this the, man is a sociopath. He yeah. he like you and I. He knew, based on his knowledge, that that yeah. virus came from the lab in January yeah. 2020. Got to bounce. Think about all the broken families. His, his think about the. All right, so you guys just saw that news clip. So what's happening right now is Dr. Fauci is being thrown away by the news media, by the mainstream media. And I just got to say, it's very interesting to watch how the media really works um, with somebody like Dr. Fauci, who has been in the media, in the mainstream light since the 80s, since the AIDS epidemic, to now, only to find out that he knew the entire time that he was actually paying for people in China to work on bat viruses and to train these bat viruses to infect human cells. And he knew this all along. So while he's on TV and, you know, acting like, you know, he really cares about people and, you know, get the vaccine and do what you need to do, wear your mask, get your hand sanitizer. What kind of sociopath, what kind of sociopath would fund that type of research to begin with? And then also put on a suit and tie every day, take a shower, get on TV, get it, get in front of the White House and basically pretend, 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 pretend that he has no idea where this came from, pretend that everybody's a conspiracy theorist, and then only to admit after it's starting to very much become obvious to everyone that Dr. Fauci knew all along about this gain of function research in China. He actually spent money to do it. So I, you know, it's just very interesting to see how the media the media will lift you up one day and then they will tear you down the next. Now, this is just now getting to the mainstream, but like Steve Bannon, Dr. Navarro, Judy Mikovits, all of these people have been talking about this since last year, but the mainstream media is just now catching up because, you know, you can't bury this story. There's too much evidence. You're going to always be able to find out who patented that virus, who funded that lab, and who knew, who got the emails, who got the text messages, who got the phone calls. So he's predicting that Dr. Anthony Fauci will be gone in 90 days. Now, if that happens, that will be a huge shakeup. I mean, that will be like Trump 2.0 in 2021. Um, so I would love to see that happen. I would love and hope and pray that some senators, some of these Republicans, you know, put him on trial for treason and for crimes against humanity because he deserves to be locked up for all the people that he has killed with this virus and with his vaccine. So I just wanted to show you that real quick. And I also have one more clip that I want to show you from Weon, which is an Indian um, news network. And what they have done is they have dug up a lot of evidence about Dr. Fauci and what he's been doing. So um, let me go back to Weon and show you that clip real quick. And then I'm going to come back with the rest of my commentary.
March of 2020, the former U.S. President Donald Trump and his fellow Republicans publicly denounced Wuhan virus expert Dr. Anthony Fauci's suggestion of mitigating the pandemic. These efforts have now taken a new flavor. Some Republicans now suggest that Dr. Fauci could be personally involved in the origin of the Wuhan virus itself. You heard that right. A Republican senator says that Dr. Fauci authorized and funded risky research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now, there's nothing new about this theory. It has surfaced several times in the past, but Republicans say that it was not examined and investigated properly due to lack of curiosity from health officials and the quote-unquote pro-China bias of the American media. That's what they say. But how true is this theory? Let's separate the facts from fiction, and I'll start with the accusation. On Monday, the United States conducted a congressional hearing on the Wuhan virus. All top health officials testified before a Senate committee. The hearing covered a host of things like the ongoing vaccination drive, President Biden's pandemic response, the future of the mask mandate, and the origin of the Wuhan virus. Now on the last issue, the origin of the Wuhan virus, a war of words broke out between Rand Paul, a Republican senator from Kentucky, and Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is now President Biden's pandemic advisor. The senator, Rand Paul, accused America's federal agencies of funding a gain-of-function research at the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. What is gain-of-function research? We've covered it on the show before. In simple words, gain-of-function is a sort of experiment or experiments which involve genetically modifying viruses. So you create variants that are more infectious in an effort to better understand them. Dr. Fauci happens to be a leading advocate of this type of research, gain of function, he supports it. He was instrumental in reauthorizing it domestically in America after it was suspended due to safety concerns. Let me repeat that. Dr. Fauci authorized this kind of research domestically. He allowed American scientists to create more infectious versions of viruses to study them. Now, the Republican senator said that Dr. Fauci knew that China was conducting such experiments. He pressed, pressed Fauci to call out what he called a conspiracy. Watch this. Think about that for a moment. The SARS virus had a 15% mortality. We're fighting a pandemic that has about a 1% mortality. Can you imagine if a SARS virus that's been juiced up and had viral proteins added to it, to the spike protein, if that were released accidentally. <laughs> Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entire, entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research <laughs> In the Wuhan Institute. Do they find barbaric? He did not stop there. The hearing went on for hours, and the senator did not budge. He said labs in America were still conducting such experiments, that they were fooling with nature. He lashed out at Dr. Fauci for allowing China to do the same. Watch the second exchange now. In the U.S., we have 11 labs doing it, and you have allowed it here. We have a committee to do it, but the committee has granted every exemption. You're, you're fooling with Mother Nature here. You're allowing super viruses to be created with a 15% mortality. It's very dangerous. I think it was a huge mistake to share this with China. 
And it's a huge mistake to allow this to continue in the United States. And we should be very careful to investigate where this virus came from. I fully agree that you should investigate where the virus came from. But again, we have not funded gain-of-function research on this virus in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. No matter how you say it, there was research. There was research done with Dr. Xi and Dr. Barrett. Now, the name of two institutes stand out in the space of. The first one is America's National Institute of Health, NIH. The second one is China's Wuhan Institute of Virology. Let's tell you a bit about the link between these two. Yes, the two are linked. Did the National Institute of Health in America provide funding to the Wuhan lab in China? And this claim is partially true. In 2014, the NIH awarded a $3.4 million grant. This was to a New York-based nonprofit organization called the EcoHealth Alliance. Remember this name, EcoHealth Alliance. This group conducted research on bat viruses at the Wuhan Lab of Virology, the Wuhan Institute of Virology in China. EcoHealth Alliance paid the Wuhan laboratory more than $500,000 over a period of five years. And this was with the approval of the U.S. State Department. So yes, in a way, America did fund research at the Wuhan laboratory. But there's no evidence whatsoever that the scientists, quote-unquote, juiced up COVID-19 in the lab, as the senator puts it, or that this money funded gain-of-function research. No proof of that. This grant was approved in May 2014. Five months later, the Obama administration announced it would not fund new projects that involved gain-of-function research, citing safety and security risks. So this issue is kind of settled, unless the laboratories took money and used it for purposes that they did not disclose. Now, as for the origin of the virus, scientists are still uncertain. They do not know where it came from. Most believe the virus jumped from animals to humans, most likely in the wild. In March, a team of scientists from the WHO in China released a report. It left the issue of origin unresolved. We reported that. But a lot of people still believe that the virus was designed in a lab. Now, scientists from multiple countries have published and analyzed the genome sequence of the virus. And they have overwhelmingly concluded that the virus originated in the wild, that its genetic makeup showed no signs of alteration, and that the ability of the virus to bind to human cells is most likely the result of natural selection. But then again, no research into the origins of the virus will be complete without investigations freely conducted in China without investigators having free access to the evidence in China, which we highly doubt is possible anymore. Vion is now available in your country. Download the app now and get all. All right, so you guys just saw that clip. Um, again, this was about three weeks ago, and now it's um, went mainstream. It's went mainstream everywhere. Um, everybody's reporting it. All the news channels are reporting it. And like I said, in the beginning, everybody was called a fucking conspiracy theorist, right? When everybody else said the shit came out of China, they were censored. We were told Trump was racist for calling it the Chinese virus. And, you know, we just, we got banned off social media. Um, 
with anything regarding any type of origin over that virus. Um, so it looks like Dr. Fauci again was confronted today by another lawmaker about the National Institute's funding of this lab in Wuhan. So I have not seen this clip yet. I don't think this is the same clip that we just watched. So if this is something new, then we want to definitely check this out. So let me go ahead and play this short clip for you, and then I'll come back with the rest of my commentary. Thank you, Madam Chair. I want to thank our witnesses for being here and for their diligent work in developing the vaccine for COVID and for working with its distribution. I want to first start by quoting from a 2011 uh, opinion piece that Dr. Fauci and Dr. Collins wrote for the Washington Post, a flu virus risk for taking, uh, where it includes that uh, you conclude Along with support for this research comes the responsibility to ensure that the information is used for good, safeguarding against the potential accidental release or deliberate misuse of laboratory pathogens and imperatives. The engineered virus developed in the ferret experiments in your column are maintained in high security laboratories. The scientists, journal editors, and funding agencies involved are working together to ensure that access to specific information that could be used to create dangerous pathogens is limited to those with an established and legitimate need to know. Uh, so when I'm looking at a letter that uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher sent to you uh, back in early uh, May, says that um, that funding uh, for the that uh, funding was uh, about $17 million was uh, directed to Echo Health Alliance. And uh, rather than $600,000, uh, much of that was sent to the Wuhan lab. Uh, can you account for the $17 million that was uh, allocated to Echo Lab and speak to the uh, disparity in the, in the amounts that you're discussing, Dr. Fauci. Yeah, Congressman Klein, uh, it is absolutely correct that about 600,000, about 800,000 was, was allocated and about 600,000 was spent over a five-year period, no more than that. That comes to anywhere between 125 and $150,000 per year that went in operation to Wuhan. So the number of hundreds of thousands as opposed to millions is correct. The billions number is incorrect. EcoHealth had several millions. I don't know the exact amount that went to EcoHealth, but we'd be happy to get you that precise number. I see it now, 13.7 uh, that, was, that was allocated to EcoHealth, 17 projects sponsored by NIAID providing over 7.9 million in federal awards for the research of viral emergence from bats in Southeast Asia. Um, Echo Health Alliance passed some of its funding to WIV, the Wuhan lab, and in 2020, NIH made efforts to obtain information from Echo Health Alliance about Wuhan lab related to concerns about the origin of COVID-19. Um, it says that in your, in your uh, letter to Echo Health, 
it's our understanding that one of the subrecipients is Wuhan lab. It's, a, it's our understanding that WIV studies the interaction between coronavirus and bats. Uh, and there are now allegations that the current crisis was precipitated by the release of, from WIV of the coronavirus responsible for COVID-19. Uh, given these concerns, we're pursuing suspension of WIV from participation in federal programs. It's in the public interest that the NIH ensure that a subrecipient has taken all appropriate precautions to prevent the release of pathogens that it's studying. Uh, would you say it's come to your conclusion that the Wuhan lab was not engaged in the safe, uh, in, in ensuring the safety of its facility as you wrote back in 2011? Is that your conclusion? I, I didn't, I'm, I'm sorry, Congressman McClana. I'm not sure what you're reading for. I didn't write anything in, I, I don't believe in 2011. You're, you're reading from something that I don't have in front of me. Was that something that I signed? This is an April 2020 NIH letter to Echo Health Alliance. Uh, I think that was from Building One, perhaps, but that's not from me. Okay. So not just, uh, let me just go ahead and ask real quick. Uh, have you responded to the uh, letter to Congressman Gallagher uh, dated May 5th, uh, Dr. Collins? There is a draft of that letter that's in the process of going to appropriate clearance and should be received by Congressman Gallagher fairly soon. Have you uh, responded to the letter from uh, House Commerce Ranking Committee member Kathy McMorris Rogers? Uh, she's written two, one dated March 18th, one dated May 6th. Have you responded to either of those? Uh, again, those responses are in the works. Uh, those were very detailed with some 29 questions and 11 pages and 40 footnotes. So it's taking us a little while. All right. And you have a May 20th letter from several senators uh, that is waiting for an answer as well. We do indeed on similar. Yeah, so you guys just saw that clip. So you can see they're not playing with Fauci. And if you guys do not um, see who this person is, Francis Collins is an American physician geneticist who discovered the genes associated with a number of diseases. And he is the one that led the Human Genome Project. He is the director of the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, United States. Okay. So what he's talking about here is the congressman, they are writing letters to Fauci and to the National Institute of Health about the funding. They're trying to understand where every single penny went, and they're trying to figure out how this virus escaped the lab. And so it's getting really serious. It's getting very, very serious. They're having congressional hearings. Um, they're having to testify in front of Congress. They're having to uh, testify under oath. And now this is mainstream. This is everywhere. So um, I have one more clip I want to play you from The Hill, which came out earlier today. And this is really going to expose the media. So let's go ahead and check this out. Yesterday, we covered the extraordinary news broken by the Wall Street Journal that the long-buried intelligence within the U.S. government believes three staffers at the Wuhan Institute of Virology were hospitalized for COVID-19-like symptoms in November 2019. It gives additional and overwhelming weight within the U.S. government and the public consensus that origins of the virus are from that lab. Now, as I have said here repeatedly, acknowledging this likelihood itself is not political. It is a statement of fact 
And the more facts you learn, you see that if the lab leak hypothesis is true, it implicates Dr. Fauci, the US government, the global health establishment, and the Chinese government. There are no single villains in this story, but maybe one, that's the media. The outright awakening in recent months to the implication that coronavirus very well could have come from the Wuhan lab has been absolutely stunning to behold. The media's job is to tell people the truth. Now, look, I know some of you snorted because it hasn't been that way for a while, but that is ostensibly what it is. But instead, they have fully metamorphosed into the Trump years to become outward propaganda machines. And the propaganda began early and often in February of 2020, when Senator Tom Cotton suggested on Fox News that coronavirus may have been weaponized by the Chinese Communist Party and originated in the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Now look, his supposition that it was intentionally weaponized has zero evidence at this time to back it up. But the origin of the virus itself became the flashpoint. And immediately, the Washington Post and the New York Times came out swinging, saying his suggestion that the virus came from the lab had been debunked. Oh, really? Well, as journalist Michael Tracy has pointed out, the principal person that the Washington Post relied on for the, quote, debunked label believes that coronavirus is a result of a lab leak from the Wuhan Institute of Virology. But I digress. The media poured gasoline on the fire in April of 2020 when Trump and Pompeo came out and suggested the coronavirus leaked from the lab in order to cover up how terribly they were handling the virus. The Times then published a story in which they insinuated that the Trump administration was pressuring intelligence agencies in some Iraq-level handling to come up with evidence. And the key to their story was this line, quote, Scientists who have studied the genetics of the coronavirus say the overwhelming probability is that it leapt from animal to human in a non-laboratory setting, as was the case with HIV, Ebola, and SARS. As true in the terms of the scientists they were listening to, aka Dr. Fauci and Dr. Peter Daszak, who have a lot more to lose if coronavirus is the result of a lab leak from gain-of-function research. CNN jumped into the play. Frank blaring, quote, nearly 30% in U.S. believe a coronavirus theory that's almost certainly not true. Hmm, really? But the worst thing they did was actually elevate Chinese propaganda at the time of the Chinese themselves urging Americans to dismiss the lab leak hypothesis. Nothing to see there. Added to the fray, NPR, quote, scientists debunk lab accident theory of pandemic emergence. Oh, debunk. My personal favorite was Fox.com which published an entire thing about the lab leak was debunked, but have now been caught stealth editing their piece and editing out some of the more incendiary claims, as venture capitalist Paul Grant caught in this great example. Look, I can go over and over and over. You're starting to get the idea. I could say aside a story from every single major media outlet in this country saying exactly that. The consequences were immense because not only did they manipulate public opinion, and let Dr. Fauci and others pushing gain-of-function research off the hook. Worse, they collaborated with social media companies to silence those who dared ask questions. The popular Twitter account Zero Hedge was banned in February of 2020 after suggesting that coronavirus came from a lab. Twitter in September, September of 2020, banned a freaking Chinese virologist who said coronavirus came from a lab. Hmm. The overwhelming so-called consensus of the public health establishment was paired with the propagandized media. And the media, having set the terms of the debate, 
themselves teamed up with social media companies to actively censor both a legitimate line of inquiry and now, 16 months later, the most likely explanation for the origins of COVID-19. For many years, I have warned on the show, distrust the fact checkers. We have showed you time after time after time how these fact checkers in the media are just propagandists serving on behalf of the ruling class. Now, from the beginning, I've said, do you really want these people deciding what is true and what is not? And then worse, having the social media companies listen to them and then making content enforcement decisions that way. Guess what? We have the answer now. It actually happened. The media acted as propaganda agents. The social media companies followed along. And now, here we are, many months later, and the truth is only just starting to come out. Can you imagine if we had known this at the time? The policy implications are immense. Would the public have the same level of trust in Dr. Fauci? Would we have listened to the public health people on lockdowns? Would we have banned gain-of-function research already? Would we perhaps all have been 10 times more skeptical of the Chinese government and claims going forward? The answer to all those questions is yes. It's an alternative, and in my opinion, a better reality. Let this serve as the final and total example of what elite group groupthink can accomplish in America, mm. even if it is not based in fact. And let it also serve as a shining example of ideology and its ability to pervade everything. For nearly a year, we have bombarded by trust, the science rhetoric. And yet, when it counted, the people in charge of telling us what was what refused to do so. We'll never know exactly how much damage that these people caused, but we cannot let them forget that they actually did it. This is truly the final example, Crystal, of the fact-checking, you know, it, it debunks the entire fact-checking industrial <laughs> complex. We debunked, we debunked, we debunked it many <laughs> times because the problem is, is that they listened only to the scientists that they trusted. Donald McNeil even already came out and said this, I guess, kind of credit to him. The guy at the New York Times is like, yeah, I trusted Fauci and I trusted Dr. Peter Daszak and they told me this and I trusted them over the cranks who were talking about this all throughout the media because Trump said it, they had to disprove it. And this led to major content decisions, banning entire accounts. Same with YouTube, I believe. Now, this platform is not immune. Oh, yeah. Many others which were taken off for violating what the scientists said. And overwhelmingly now, it looks like that was completely false. Well, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Jonathan Chait has a piece um, today as well. And, you know, in my opinion, mm -hmm. this writing can be a little bit of a mixed bag. But this one is He's a good one. Yeah. Uh, this one is a good one because he points out in many instances, the scientists were expressing uh, not total certainty. It was yes, like, it's more right. likely this than that. Probability. It's, it's, it's right. more like, it's highly unlikely that it came from a lab. But in almost no instances were they saying absolutely not. And yet the media, because they had their priors that they wanted to confirm and they believed Trump said it and therefore it must be the opposite, they turned those expressions of probability into fact, into certainty that actually reached beyond even where the scientific community was pushing them to go. So that was an interesting piece. And the other part that, that he lays out that we touched on a little bit, mm -hmm. but was made more clear to me in this piece he points out a slate piece that says basically the reason why people are saying this came from a lab is because of racism. So they said explicitly the rumors of a lab escape or a bioweapon stem from historical amnesia, a caricatured villain, and good old-fashioned racism. Yes. And so I think when you had the, the potent combination of Trump 
pushing this line of inquiry and wanting to deflect blame from his own totally catastrophic handling of the virus onto China. So you have Trump. And then the minute that there was a, a sort of drumbeat of, if you believe in the lab leak theory, then you're racist. That, I think, was the potent one-two punch that made any um, inquiry in this direction totally off limits. And so you can see here, I mean, there's just so many pieces of our current cultural moment that came together that made looking into just in a neutral fact-based way, looking into the origins of the coronavirus, it put it totally off limits and made it so you were a crank if you even asked these right. questions. And look again, we should still be expressing things in terms of probability, which I think we're both careful to do. At this point, it looks like it is more likely, especially with the new information about the researchers who were sick back in November, in, in, you know, according to intelligence reports, that there is more evidence on the side of the lag leak theory. That doesn't make that definitively true, but that's how we should be talking about these things in terms of probability. And from the jump, the media decided that they wanted this answer and they sought the rationale to put on these aggressive headlines about this is a discredited theory, this is debunked, it's a conspiracy theory, et cetera, et cetera. And now it looks more and more likely that this is actually what happened. Like I said, it's not just a media failure. This has this is real, this is real stuff. Like in terms of the policy implications of this, it's immense going yeah. all the way back to March and April. We could be living in a totally different country if the coverage on this had been different. And may might sound exaggerative, but if people had found out in May of 2020 that Dr. Fauci was involved in funding this type of research, you think you would have had the same amount of trust to go on cable television? But they loved it because they put him and gave him hundreds of millions of dollars of free airtime in order to go up there because it was the perfect counter to Trump. Same, it created this entire narrative. And around all of that, same with Russiagate. Russiagate is not a victimless crime. We right. live in a country more hawkish towards Russia than we were right. in 2015. That's you right. think that's a good thing? A dying Petro state while the Chinese are expanding all across the Southeast Asia? No. And this is this this is something that we do not seem to be able to get our heads around, which is that these failures, people ask, well, why do you care so much? Because it dramatically impacts American foreign policy, the domestic populace, the choices that we all make are pre-baked assumptions. What happens when the censors get it wrong? If you believe in censorship, you should see this as a shining example of what exactly can go wrong. Yeah, you know? and, and by the way, I don't want another freaking pandemic, so let's yes, figure out how this you. all happened. That was the thing too. <laughs> Yeah, Matt uh, Taibbi dubbed Russiagate the next WMD. I actually think this might be worse than Russiagate in mm. terms of the implication. I mean, sorry, that it, this might be worse than Russiagate and might actually be the next WMD in terms of the policy implications of it, what was pushed at the time, the total and complete cover-up, the potent marriage of patriotism with official lies from people in establishment that happened with WMD. We'll find out in the next 20 years. We have another lab leak uh, from gain of function. You know, God help us all, because we really could have, we might have been able to avoid it if and, people had done something. And I also want to say, even if it turns out that this did come from the wild, that right. it was zoonotic in nature, that doesn't absolve the media here of oh. their totally right. unjustified abject certainty from the beginning. Imagine, so they found one missile, and if they had found like one missile in Saddam, was it worth it? Was it all right? Worth it? And, and was it honest? Was the one. coverage honest? Right. Was the coverage honest? That was the case. No, it wasn't. Yeah. All right. Coming up, Rachel Bovard, Jennifer Holdsworth, Park. They're here for Team Rising. All right. So you guys just saw that, and um, I completely agree. I remember 
I remember very clearly when um, there was several um, people that were questioned about this virus. They were called racist. They were told not to call it the Wuhan virus. And they were told that, hey, you guys are being racist against China. This is wrong. And this is racist. And so, you know, now it's all coming full circle. It's all coming full circle. And it's very, very devastating to the media. And it's very, very devastating to the fact checkers. I'm so fucking sick of them, of those fucking fact checkers. They get on my nerves. Every time you post something, here they go. So I'm very happy with the information that's coming out today. Um, I'm very happy that the Republicans, senators are not playing any games. And I'm, I'm very happy that they're, they're exposing everything that needs to be exposed. Because for the longest, you would have gotten censored or deleted off social media if you would have said anything about a virus coming from a lab. They expected everybody to accept their bullshit. They expected everybody to accept their bullshit and to accept everybody's narrative that this virus was somehow man-made, that a virus just jumped from bats to humans, when that is not something that's even scientifically reasonable. If a virus is comfortable in bats and it's, it's comfortable there, why the fuck would it jump from a bat and then start infecting millions of people off some fucking soup in a wet market in China? This is the same thing that they did with HIV. They tried to say, oh, somebody has sex with a monkey and then spread HIV everywhere. Make it make sense, people. This is the same bait and switch that they've been doing for 40 years every time they want to cook up a new virus because nature doesn't kill us off, okay? The only time nature is going to kill you off is if you're killing nature. And that's what's happening with um, the European population because they're not producing enough children. And we also may talk about that because, you know, we could really get into that. That might be its own podcast because, you know, shit, I could talk about that all day. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, nature is not just going to create some new virus that's sexually transmitted that only affects Black people disproportionately. It's not going to do that. And what we have found in yesterday's presentation is that some of these viruses, they're the, the way that they infect. Um, yesterday, I remember seeing something along the lines of um, the coronavirus spike protein infects um, white people at a rate of 49%, Black people at 54%, Latinos and Asians at 10%, and then Jews at 0%. So they literally engineer these viruses to attack certain parts of the population genetically. That is what they do. That is what gain of function is. So um, with that being said, we have a new clip today. This is live actually from today. I guess this is um, what some of the new senators and some of the doctors that testified before Congress had to say. So I'm going to play a short clip of that, and then I'm going to come back with the rest of my commentary. The origins of the COVID-19 virus. I want to stop and thank the scientists and journalists who risked and in some instances gave their lives to get the genetic sequence of the virus and some hints of its origin out to the rest of the world to give us a fighting chance. I also wanna thank the NIH and Dr. Francis Collins, whose team was able to stabilize the virus within a matter of weeks and share that technology with the world. This helped quickly launch the success of Operation Warp Speed, as well as other research for testing, antivirals and vaccines. 
But now here we are, 16 months, into the most catastrophic health disaster of our lifetime, and we still have more questions than answers. At least 3 million lives have been claimed by the virus, and we still don't know its origin. More, more specifically, we don't know its geographical or biological origin. The world deserves to know and needs to know where and how it started. Was it naturally occurring or was it made in a lab? And I'm here today to tell you the preponderance of evidence suggests this virus leaked from a lab in Wuhan. But first, let's look at the mounting evidence suggesting COVID-19 is truly a super virus, the product of lab manipulations, including viral gain of function. In order to do this, we need to look at world history of two similar events and the great work of scientists surrounding the containment of SARS in 2002 and MERS in 2012. For SARS, it took four months to find an intermediate host, a civet, a raccoon-looking animal. Yes, it only took four months to prove the SARS virus went from a bat to a civet to a human. And significantly, scientists found 24 viral ancestors to SARS as the virus spontaneously mutated from a virus that would not easily attach to human cells into a more lethal virus. And for MERS, it only took nine months to find the virus occurring naturally in bats, and the intermediate host was camels. Yet with COVID-19, here we are some 16 months later, and we have no intermediate host and no COVID-19 found in a live bat. The Chinese tell us, Chinese tell us they tested over 80,000 viral sequences and have come up empty. Coincidence? No precursors, no grandfather or great-grandfather, nothing close to resembling COVID-19 has been found in nature. As a matter of fact, the closest virus we know of to COVID-19 is rat G13, which is called the Wuhan Institute of Virology home for several years. This virus was supposedly from bats in Yunnan and transported by scientists to the Wuhan viral lab. But of course, the Chinese won't hand the virus over to the world now for further study. Is it possible that rat G13 could have been manipulated into COVID-19? Some experts would say yes. And we know based upon the words of the WIV researcher, Dr. Xi, that the WIV had eight similar viruses to rat G13, but China won't share those either. What are they hiding? And here's another interesting feature of COVID-19. It likes humans more than bats. As a matter of fact, it doesn't harm bats. So the CCP, Propaganda claims this virus comes from bats, but doesn't like bats. Riddle me that. Furthermore, no answers, no ancestors of COVID-19 have been found. Recall what typically occurs in nature is multiple mutations, just like with the SARS infection. We should be able to find multiple mutations as the virus goes from bat loving to an intermediate liking animal to human liking to human loving. We certainly welcome contrary evidence from the Wuhan labs. Now, if you will, forgive me for being a bit of a biology lover, but as a physician, I think we have to consider just how utterly ferocious and seemingly too perfect for nature this virus really is. COVID-19 has a very unique spike protein made up by two units. The first unit has an amazing affinity for human lung cells. It sticks like glue to human lung cells, even if you only get a small whiff of it, and it uses the same human lung receptor that researchers in the US and WIV have been working on together for viral gain of function and similar lab techniques for years. Perhaps this is just another coincidence. 
And to be fair, I really do think all the research has been done with the best of intentions to develop vaccines for a possible future epidemic. For all I know, the research already done may have significantly sped up the success of Operation Warp Speed. Next, we need to discuss one last point about this protein spike and how it interacts with human lung cells. And if there is a smoking gun, this is it. Mm. Remember, I talked about this spike, this crown having two components, two units. Well, it just so happens a human lung cell has a special cleaver, a cleaver that can recognize, you get it, guessed it, a perfect spot on the COVID-19 spike. Bats don't have this ability, but human lung cells do. Anyway, what happens is after the, the COVID-19 virus attaches to the human lung cell like glue, the human lung cell cleaves the COVID-19 in this perfect spot, and only after this cleavage occurs can the virus dump its genetic makeup into the human cell and take over the human genetic machinery. Now, just don't forget your nitrate biology class. A virus needs another organism to reproduce. And this COVID-19 virus, once it grabs the human lung cells, it's not letting go until it takes over and starts to multiply like rabbits. And after one cell grabs hold and dumps its genetic contents, a chain reaction occurs that really reminds me of a nuclear chain reaction. And once bioreplication ignites, it's next to impossible to stop. Now, there are more microbiology nuances we could talk about and why this supervisor is, is not seemingly a virus from other nature. But I think you get my point. Yes, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. But only the, the Wuhan labs have the data to prove me wrong. And I'm afraid the data that would prove me right or wrong has been forever destroyed. The geographical origination of this virus is much less complex to discuss. Today, all evidence points to the geographical start of this virus from or in very close proximity to the Wuhan labs. The wet market origination theory has been completely dismantled and is really nothing more than the usual CCP propaganda and cover-up that we've all seen too often. And now we know without any doubt, multiple infections predated the January 2020 event surrounding the wet market theory. And all these infections can be traced to a close proximity of the Wuhan labs. In fact, US intelligence reports recently confirmed that we've known for months that some WIV researchers were hospitalized as early as the fall of 2019. And just to be clear, these bats who are known to harbor this family of viruses have a range of some 50 miles, but live in caves in Yunnan province, approximately a thousand miles away from Wuhan. The chances of a bat carrying this highly infectious virus a thousand miles away without leaving a trail of infections between Yunnan and the WIV would be like the same person walking from New York to Kansas and being struck by lightning seven times and surviving. Mm. Again, China has the evidence to prove these theories wrong, and I welcome that data. As a physician, a senator, a father, and a grandfather, we have to assume and prepare for the worst and judge the situation based upon the body of evidence that best describes this event. We have to get to the bottom of this. Regardless of whose fault it is or isn't, we will need to know how to forgive. We'll need to make others take responsibility. But what we can't do is keep burying our heads in the sand, which is why I'm calling on the U.S. delegation to the World Health Assembly meeting this week to do everything in its power to ensure that a full and unrestricted international scientific and forensic investigation into the origins will be authorized and also for a parallel, comprehensive, bipartisan citizen Senate investigation into the origins as well.
When that's finished, we need to take up the guardrails for viral gain of function studies. But in the meantime, the American people, really the entire world, deserves to know the answers to the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Thank you, Madam President, and I yield the floor. All right, so you guys just saw that clip and ooh, what a damning piece of evidence. Um, it's very interesting, this is getting serious, okay? So not only are they doing a regular investigation, they're doing an international investigation, they're involving um, the World Health Organization um, who already had an organ, who already had an investigation. And um, this is not going away. So Dr. Fauci has some explaining to do. Um, Francis Collins has some explaining to do. The National Institute of Health is going to have some explaining to do. And those scientists in the Wuhan Virology Lab have some explaining to do. So this is not going away anytime soon. This is not going anywhere anytime soon. And they really tried to convince us that a bat virus jumped from bats to humans through some wet markets and some soup. Once again, playing off the public's ignorance of nature and science, um, nothing new, nothing that we haven't experienced before. Um, now there's another clip I want to show you. If anybody has anything to say, you guys can always chime in at any time. Um, I'm just going through clips and you know, just going through the research right now. Um, so here's another clip that I found that was very interesting. Hey, Shaquem, would you like me to email you a list of historical research that's been done on the people? I have a list of a bunch of stuff over the years, which I mean, because obviously when people first tried to say this, you were told you know, tinfoil hat conspiracy theory, but the history actually shows you, including Tuskegee, which we obviously know about, but even others. I'm going to email it to you right now. Okay, great. Yeah, I would love to have that information. And I also just saw your email about the British model who literally died, uh, what, 19 days after she got the vaccine from a brain hemorrhage? That shit was crazy. Like, I was like, wow. Leo dumbass really wouldn't got that AstraZeneca vaccine. <laughs> but um, we need to like, really, that's why I'm on here every day because every day there's somebody else dying. If you guys don't know, the very first person, the first man to actually take the COVID vaccine died today. Um, and he was 81 years old. Now, now they're trying to say, oh no, oh no, he died from another health condition. Um, but Dr. Luke Montagnier said, and he's the one that actually discovered HIV. He said, if you get this vaccine, your life expectancy is about three weeks to three years. That's how long you have to live. So anybody that dies within a few months, a few weeks, a few days, or a few years after getting that vaccine, it's, it's going to be a lot more people. So um, yeah, I just wanted to point that out. I did receive that email and I did see that. And that was very, very interesting. Um, so yeah. I sent you the document. You'll see it's a whole list. It's the dear the government would never do that crowd. You know, I had found that somebody has shared and it shows you going back from the 1900s on various tests ran upon the people. And it talks about how um, that black woman whose family was never compensated. She her cells is what's historically used in vaccinations and for cancer research and whatnot, which again points to the strength of so-called black people's genetics. Right, you're talking about Henrietta Lacks? Yes, she's cited in that document I sent you, the list of, it's a bunch of different things. Awesome, okay, I'm gonna pull that up. While I'm pulling that up, I'm gonna play this, I'm gonna come back to the rest of my commentary. Peace. 
Happy Monday. We have an amazing show for everybody today. What do we have, Crystal? Indeed we do. We got a phenomenal panel, Lil Jawando and Philip Wegman. We got Zajalani here to talk about anti-Semitic violence. We've got J.D. Schulten. He's got some brand new polling, I think we're the first outlet to cover this, on how rural Americans feel about the Democratic Party. Some challenges there and potentially some opportunities. But we wanted to start with uh, pretty much everybody starting to change their tune on the likelihood of the lab leak COVID origin. Yeah, this is an absolutely bombshell story. So let's put this up there on the screen from the Wall Street Journal. Intelligence on six staff at the Wuhan lab fuels debate on COVID-19 origin. So this is about forthcoming intelligence report, which has been in the State Department for quite a long time where it talks about how three staffers who were at the Wuhan lab in November of 2019 fell ill enough that they were then sent to a hospital. Now, this has actually been out there before. This has been reported by some Australian media and others. They don't go into how exactly this intelligence was collected. As always, you take the, uh, you take the grain of salt, anything that's coming from the intelligence community and all that. But the supporting fact, and I think the ones that, I think the fact that it comes from the Biden administration, as in it, this is intelligence, which is very clearly being used by them as well and regarded as statements of fact. This is something Josh Rogan has talked a lot about, that they confirmed many of the key things on a fact sheet released by the State Department is a very, very, very important development if you're going to try and understand the origins of coronavirus. Because now, if this is in fact true, and it seems to be, it was reported earlier by foreign media as well, then this puts it pretty squarely into the camp where this now has more evidence, more evidence for a lab leak than there would be for zoonotic origin. I'm not saying yeah. that that is necessarily where it came from, but that is where things stand right now with this intelligence report, the circumstance of November 2019, of so much of what we've seen around gain-of-function research and more. So. I think that's what makes it so substantial. And I like the way you put that, the yeah. balance of evidence, because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about probabilities. It's entirely possible. We will never know for sure, like with a smoking gun, right. whether it was zoonotic or whether it leaked from this lab in Wuhan. So you have to weigh the evidence, which side appears more likely. And when you get pieces of information like this, it goes to the balance of, okay, maybe it's more likely that it leaked from a lab that it evolved in nature. Um, Mike Pompeo had mentioned this previously, and it was sort of dismissed for the same reason that this was all dismissed from the beginning, which is that it was seen as like, oh, Donald Trump mm -hmm. just wants this to be the case so that he can pin this all on China. And again, no one's saying here that like Trump had great motives here, was a good faith actor, or a lot of the other Republicans who have been pushing this. But the fact that so many reporters just reflexively assume that Trump would be lying, that Trump would be wrong, caused them not only to not look into this possibility, but to dismiss it like you were a crank if you even floated that such a That's thing right. was possible. So obviously highly significant if it is in fact true that three researchers from that lab came down with symptoms, but we don't know whether it was coronavirus or not, but came down with symptoms for an intelligence community, very consistent, with coronavirus and serious enough that they ended up hospitalized. Of course, the Chinese government denies all of this. They also say that all of the workers were tested for COVID antibodies and weren't found to have any. Um, you can decide for yourself whether you're going to trust what the Chinese government is telling you about all of this. Um, but very noteworthy here and uh, got a lot of attention. Dr. Fauci really starting to change his tune 
on whether a COVID, the lab leak hypothesis is plausible whatsoever. Here he is in a latest interview. No, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China until we find out to the best of our ability exactly what happened. Certainly, the people who've investigated say that it likely was the emergence from an animal reservoir that then infected individuals, but it could have been something else. And we need to find that out. So, you know, that's the reason why I said I'm perfectly in favor of any investigation that looks into the origin of the virus. And this Dr. Fauci, he had previously all but ruled out yes. the lab leak origin. There's a hilarious Chris Eliza opinion piece in at CNN that says, Anthony Fauci just crushed Donald Trump's theory on the origins of the coronavirus. Right. And he cites um, this quote from Fauci in an interview at the time. This was back in uh, May of 2020. Fauci said, if you look at the evolution of the virus in bats and what's out there now, the scientific evidence is very, very strongly leaning toward this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. Everything about the stepwise evolution over time strongly indicates that this virus evolved in nature and then jumped species. So you hear a very different tone now than the near certainty that he was depicting at that time. That's right. That was an interview with National Geographic, May 5th, 2020. And that all but quashed at least some mainstream inquiry into that. And yeah. again, that was actually used by several media outlets to then say that this is the reason why this story has been debunked. This is why this story is not true. It was used for PolitiFact and more. And this is a big story around gain-of-function research at its heart because I actually saw some speculation online. People were like, well, even if it did, leak from a lab. What does that change from a policy perspective? Um, it changes whether the U.S. government should be complicit in funding gain-of-function research around our guidelines around gain-of-function research and around maybe a worldwide reckoning as to whether this created one of the worst pandemics in modern memory. And maybe we should all, if we're going to have a WHO and we're going to have the U.N., these are literally what they're built for. And yet, the cover-up of ideology, of Chinese interests, and really the media is a story. I'm going to be doing a big thing on the media tomorrow, just all the receipts of all the people who said it was debunked and exactly what the fallout from that would have been. But too perfect that this was crystallism. Yeah, it was too perfect. <laughs> I'm going to add that to my list. But just to make sure people understand this around the gain-of-function part, let's put this up there on the screen around Dr. Fauci as well. He wrote this op-ed in 2011 backing gain-of-function research, which is something that he's actually denied. He said, no, 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 I'm not necessarily a proponent of gain-of-function research. And remember that with Dr. Rand Paul, whenever he was testifying before the Senate, he was playing very, very tricky word games around what exactly gain-of-function was. He was like, yeah, we were conducting this type of research which does engineer bat viruses, but that's not gain-of-function. Therefore, he could continue to say that. And all of this, again, just to point to the media perspective, let's put PolitiFact's um, correction up there on the screen, because I think this is the most stunning one. They used a quote-unquote pants-on-fire designation for the claim that COVID-19 was created in a lab. And now they're saying, well, this was fact-checked in September 2020, included researchers that said it could not have been manipulated. That assertion is now more widely disputed. For this reason, we are removing this fact-check from our database. I think this is extraordinarily important to see here, how you see a confluence of so much of what happened under Trump. 
You have ideology, as in anything Trump says cannot be true. Yeah. Then you have moneyed interests. This is what happened with Russiagate. People were like, hey, what Trump was doing with Russia seemed kind of fishy. And then you saw the neocons, they saw their opening, and they ended up changing American foreign policy much worse in that direction, brainwashing many mainstream Democrats and think Russia is our greatest threat over the last 20 years, even though it's like a dying petro state. This is what happened with Lapley, which is that you had people in the media who, and look, in some cases, rightfully, do not trust a word that Trump said. I understand why many people said that. But then you have the scientific public health establishment who needs to protect their gravy train on gain-of-function research, specifically the NRH, and Dr. Fauci, who is the person who greenlit this research, not only that, but overturned the ban on it under the Trump administration. Who wants that to come out? By the way, I don't think he thought he was doing anything wrong. Yeah. He, in his brain, probably believes gain-of-function still is the best way in order to handle this. That's okay. But we have to be honest about whether COVID-19 leaked from the lab or not. And so that is, I think, if we're going to put a square around all of this, yeah. the new intelligence, the increasing scientific consensus, Trump being gone from the picture so people can just frankly be more honest about all of this, yeah. it's a terrible failure of yeah. media and of this public health establishment. I think a lot of reporters rightly were skeptical of everything Donald Trump said. But they didn't realize the other side of the equation that scientists may also have, you know, they, they're human. They have their own biases. They have their own um, objectives. They have their own interests um, in terms of their career and protecting and defending their community. And there was a complete blind spot where that was concerned. And then I also think that there's something we said here, too, about this sort of culture of, of censorship and, like, the, the virulent, like... Um, the virulent repercussions you can face if you have wrong think. Mm -hmm. And this, the COVID lab leak hypothesis became branded as like, you can't even, you can't even talk about that. Totally outside. Totally divine, totally fringe. If you're even talking about this, you must be some sort of a right-wing lunatic. And so that also really shut down a lot of lines of inquiry. So there are a lot of, in addition to just, needing to know how the pandemic actually started so that we can understand how to avoid the next pandemic. Um, there's also a lot of cultural pieces here that I think are important to understand. And it, I think a lot of why there was such a blind spot here was because of particular cultural moment that we're living through and the way that Donald Trump has broken a lot of people's brains, frankly. No, that's exactly right. All right, we're gonna tell you what's on our radar, so that's next. All right, thank you guys for um, waiting on me to get that update so yes that has been posted um okay let me see i just got another clip um so yeah absolutely um dr fauci has been exposed i never thought i would see the day where dr fauci would be getting trolled in the media by um, republicans by the mainstream media by the fact checkers they even have to hey sean kim uh, I'm yeah. going to drop something into the chat. I just stumbled across. This is downright crazy. Okay, yeah, I just got the video, the YouTube video. Let's check this out. So, yeah, I'm happy to see this happening. I'm happy to see him being exposed. That look. And I'm happy that this day has come because if any other random virus pops up, we're going to be we're going to be prepared. We're going to say where did this come from? Who funded it? Where, what lab did it come from? We're not going to be falling for the bullshit when they come up with their next virus. So let's go ahead and check out this clip that uh, Outlaw wanted to play. The New York Knicks are joining us to 
speed up the vaccinations in the city to reach more people to keep them safe now the knicks took a tough loss on sunday but the garden was rocking there was incredible energy there's incredible hope for this team this is a vibrant exciting team and the knicks are bringing the vaccination effort right there to the garden so starting today today there'll be a site right in front of madison square garden thursday as well and here's the incentive you go and get vaccinated today in front of Madison Square Garden, you get a chance to win playoff tickets to tomorrow's game. On Thursday, you go and get vaccinated in front of Madison Square Garden, you get a chance to win tickets to the next playoff game. This is positive and exciting, and I thank the Knicks for getting involved. By the way, some of the greats of Knicks history will be there. Clyde Frazier, John Starks, the Knicks City Dancers will be there. It's gonna be a really wonderful, absolutely special opportunity now if you want to visualize how important it is to get vaccinated if you want to have in your mind a visualization a positive reference of why vaccination is crucial if you want to understand that when you get vaccinated it's you showing up making it happen in the clutch for the people of this city for the people of your community for the people who are part of your family if you want to have that clutch, clutch shot in your mind. You catch that. <laughs> Go back. That's all you need. Keep playing that. Great moment in Nick's history. We're going to show you up, making it happen in the clutch for the people of this city, for the people of your community, for the people who are part of your family. If you want to have that clutch, clutch shot in your mind, that clutch moment in Wow. See how he caught himself? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I'm done, bro. I'm who is this? Is this the mayor? Yes, the mayor of New York City. The damn mayor of New York City. You cannot be serious. He said, if you want to have this clot in your mind, here you go. Here's your free ticket. I just dropped another link. They called it a success. 12 people in LA County died taking the yeah. shot. Mm. Let me see. Uh Are you talking about the odd news pipeline? Yep. Hey, I see Miss T Pree in here. Hi, Miss T Pree. Hey guys, can you hear me? Hey, hey T Pree. Yeah, we can hear yep. you. Yeah, this is crazy. Okay, so this the title of this is Mysteriously Dead Doctors and Scientists Surrounding COVID, including this Dr. Fauci critic, provide more ominous signs the Vax are part of a huge big pharma mafia experiment. Um, it says war and famine would not do. This is the depopulation agenda. Ooh, we should do a whole podcast about that. It says war and famine would not do. Instead, disease offered the most sufficient and fastest way to kill the billions that must soon die if the population crisis is to be solved. AIDS is not an efficient killer because it is too slow. My favorite candidate for eliminating 90% of the world's population is airborne Ebola because it is both highly lethal and it kills in days instead of years. We've got airborne diseases with 90% mortality in humans. Um, killing humans, think about that. You know, the bird food's good too. For everyone who survives, he will have to bury nine. Dr. Eric Planka, University of Texas. Okay, who, 
Dr. Eric Clark, I'm looking your ass up right now. What is this? <laughs> I want him disbarred and I'm making complaints, nigga. I'm making complaints to this board. Who the fuck is Dr. Eric Planka? If you scroll down, you'll see the link to the story of the 12 people in LA County. Okay, this is him, right? In that same article. This is him, right? I'm I pretty think sure. so, yeah. Okay. Um, the fuck? He said many humans have to die for the earth to live. Okay, so he works at the University of Texas, huh? Mm. Let me see. Evolution of body size and reproductive tactics. Wow, okay. Honestly, they, they back him, bro. <laughs> that university, they down with it. <laughs> was, oh. Obviously, he shouldn't have work saying stuff like that. Oh, hell no. I'm shit. Doctor, they call him Dr. Doom. <laughs> they call him Dr. Doom. Um, he received a standing ovation from the, oh yeah, you're right. Okay, the Texas Academy of Science. Um, okay. Yeah, he says he wants to save the earth with Ebola. Wow. And what they mean by save it is they just want us gone and want it to be their own paradise because they have a right to life and not you. I can't believe they said AIDS is not quick enough. Like, wow. Just wow. Mm -mm -mm. That lets you know everything you need to know about them. Because really what, um, oh yeah, what I found out is that CMOS can literally flush all the HIV out of somebody's blood. And Dr. Seabee already knew that shit like 30 years ago. So um, like I was telling you guys earlier, um, CMOS is good for a lot of things, not just that, but if you have um, memory problems or thyroid problems or immune system problems, it can help you. And basically my sister was trying to go off on me because I suggested they give my mother some damn CMOS. You know what I'm saying? So it's crazy. Like, it's fucking seaweed like it's just crazy that people get if you suggested Tylenol she would support you even though Tylenol kills 5,000 plus people a year and this is readily available people could just look it up but trust science exactly and it's very toxic for your fucking liver and so is um, Advil Advil is also very toxic um, but yeah they don't have shit to say about that so, okay, um, okay, let's read this article because I'm sure that, okay, this is talking about the, the live free or die agenda or this experiment. So it says, while it would be a safe bet to assume that most Americans had never heard the name Dr. Mary, Dr. Carrie Mullis, and the 1993 winner of the Nobel Prize for Chemistry passed away quietly from pneumonia at the age of 74 on August 7th of 2019. As we'll hear in the first video embedded directly below, Dr. Mullis, the inventor of the PCR technique being used to diagnose COVID-19, called Dr. Anthony Fauci a fraud while ripping the globalist preferred COVID narrative to shreds long before anyone had even heard of COVID-19. Okay, so is there a video? That's not it. 
I've seen the video on Rumble, I believe. I think I could pull it up and send it to you if you want it. Okay, maybe it's this. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Dr. Terry Mullis was awarded the Nobel Prize for his invention of the polymers chain reaction, the PCR. The PCR is a method of analysis and wasn't designed to test for a virus. Mullis explains why. And with PCR, if you do it well, you can find almost anything in anybody. It starts making you believe in the sort of Buddhist notion that everything is contained in everything else, right? I mean, because if you can amplify one single molecule up to, a, to something that you can really measure, which PCR can do, then there's just very few molecules that you don't have at least one single one of them in your body, okay? So that could be thought of as a misuse of it just to, to claim that it's meaningful. The PCR test can potentially find anything you are looking for, depending on how high you turn it up. And this is exactly what has been done. The official protocol given for the PCR testing of COVID-19 created a floodgate of false positives to skew the results. Mm. They can you pause it quickly, Shaka? Because it's a lie. Huh? These people don't have... I was, I was asking, can you pause it? So for quickly for people to understand, the new CDC official policy is that you lower the PCR threshold for those who've taken a shot so it's less likely for you to test positive and you ramp it up for those who haven't taken a shot. This is the games they're playing with us. Continue. Okay. Because they don't have COVID-19. They do it today because they've done it in the past and always gotten away with it. 30 years ago, Anthony Fauci, head of the NIH, made a name for himself by pushing for higher doses of the deadly drug AZT, an old cancer chemotherapy too dangerous for approval, onto AIDS patients. Kerry Mullis was hired to measure HIV in people's blood samples with his PCR. He was working under the premise that HIV was the probable cause of AIDS. But when he went looking for the proof, he found there was none. They just made it up. What is that paper? Who do I go to for that? And I looked around, I asked a couple of virologists that come in, they said, no, you don't have to reference. I said, I have to reference that because I, I don't know where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked about that. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. Nobody really knows. This whole thing is a big sham. Mullis pointed out how the CDC was losing money and how the HIV-AIDS connection brought their profits back in the black, and how the men at the highest levels were all in on it. Kerry Mullis knew these men were dangerous. They don't want people like me walking up and asking them those kind of questions, and they're willing to like go to great lengths to prevent that. Wait, wait, wait. wait, wait. wait. Okay, I, I need to know. hear this again. Just made it up. What is that paper? Who do I got to proof? He found there what was working under the premise. Patients. Kerry Mullis was hired to measure HIV in people's blood samples with his PCR. He was working under the premise that HIV was the probable cause of AIDS. But when he went looking for the proof, he found there was none. They just made it up. What is that paper? Who do I go to for that? And I looked around. I asked did you hear that? Hmm. So did you hear that? There's a film, House of Numbers. A bunch of scientists found the same thing. HIV does not cause AIDS. That is a lie. Right, of course. I mean, look at Magic Johnson. Never got AIDS. Um, so wait, it's called House of Numbers? 
anatomy of an epidemic. Oh, is this on Amazon Prime, nigga? I got something to watch now. Wait, it's unavailable in my location. What do you mean? I'm in America. Check YouTube. Uh, people probably still have it posted there. I've seen it. It's years old. Okay. That's some bullshit if I can't watch that. Um, I see the trick. Wait, is this it? The full thing is here? Oh, shit. Y'all, we got a new video to review. So, in so many words, they're basically saying that HIV does not cause AIDS and that this test was originally designed for HIV, but they couldn't find it. Correct. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. I had no idea that this test was originally used for HIV. So basically they're doing HIV testing on everybody when they go get tested, pretty much. That's crazy. I mean, they said, no, you don't have to reference. I said, I have to reference that because I, I don't know where that came from. How do I know that? And it turned out that nobody knew it. And I was getting really freaked about that. That's when I first started saying, they don't know. This whole thing is a big sham. Mullis pointed out how the CDC was losing money and how the HIV AIDS connection brought their profits back in the black and how the men at the highest levels were all in on it. Kerry Mullis knew these men were dangerous. They want people like me walking up and asking them those kind of questions. And they're willing to like go to great lengths to prevent that. They're out on a limb. I wouldn't want to be there with him. But he was still outspoken. When ABC's Nightline approached him about doing a documentary on his work, Mullis convinced them to cover the HIV debate after nearly a decade of ignoring it. In a 1994 interview with Celia Farber for Spin Magazine, Kerry Mullis expressed how he really wanted to expose Anthony Fauci and Robert Gallo. He said that he'd be willing to chase the little bastard from his car to his office a Nobel Prize winner trying to ask a simple question from those who spent $22 billion and killed 100,000 people. It has to be on TV. I'm not unwilling to do something like that. Unfortunately, not many people were listening back then. And on August 7th, 2019, just about three months before the first utterance of COVID-19, Kerry Mullis, age 74, a Nobel Prize winner, inventor of the PCR test, a man who was once willing and eager to expose Anthony Fauci, quietly died of pneumonia. Mm. The timing of it all is mysterious to many of us. Absolutely. Very interesting. Um, okay, so back to this. It says, um, claiming that Dr. Fauci doesn't know anything and that Fauci will be willing to lie on TV as this story over at The Scientist pointed out about Dr. Mullis, he was also very controversial within the scientific community, denying all of the claims made by globalists about what they love to call global warming, while also claiming that HIV was not the cause of AIDS, warning something even more sinister was at play. The most notable critic of Dr. Fauci was also heard within the video directly below. Dr. Melissa's comments in the video should be thought about closely when horrific news stories such as this one over at the Daily Mail, reporting that the CDC is now investigating 
dozens of reports of heart inflammation in teenagers and young adults that have occurred days after their second dose of either the Moderna or Pfizer vaccines. Just the latest concrete sign that these mRNA injections are causing more harm than good in many people who get them. The headline alone of this KTLA-5 in Los Angeles story should open some eyes. 12 fully vaccinated people died of COVID in LA County, showing shots work extraordinarily well, health officials say. Really. <laughs> Can you repeat that, please? What did that say? <laughs> 12 fully vaccinated people died of COVID in LA County, showing shots work extraordinarily well, health officials say. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. Really? I'm shocked. I mean, I'm not shocked, but I'm just like, really, nigga? Okay. We got KTLA 5. I'm going to do a whole other podcast about that because how you... <laughs> you could pause it and move on to something else like what I emailed you because, like I said, that shows you the backdrop. Um, that was a little incomplete. The news clip was thorough with the C-19 stuff, but... Unfortunately, if they cited the history, they would, uh, you know, show people how far back this goes. C-19 is not the first time where they were meddling with stuff that's very toxic and dangerous to the public. Yeah. Um, yeah, we definitely can. So let me check my email. I didn't even know about this website today. I'm about to um, add this to my bookmarks so I can uh, come back to this website. But um yeah, I did not know that HIV does not cause AIDS. I, I mean, it makes sense to me, though, because it's a virus. And just like uh, COVID doesn't cause COVID-19, uh, you can have the virus but not have the disease. So um, I remember there was a doctor who one time injected himself with HIV-infected blood to prove a point, like um, that HIV was basically harmless. But he mysteriously died after he wrote this book called The AIDS Deception. He ended up dying. Um, I forgot his name, but he ended up dying uh, mysteriously as well. So, yeah, man, it's crazy. Okay, so this is about um, the cure for hepatitis, right? Okay, so the ex the extremely shocking Willowbrook experiments were aimed at discovering a cure for hepatitis. The continuous study lasted from 1956 to 1970. The subjects were taken from Willowbrook State School, which is located in Staten Island, New York. They were mentally handicapped children. The series of tests involved injecting the children with experimental drugs that were meant to cure hepatitis. Not only were the children unable to provide consent, but they would often die in the treatments. When questioned about their actions, officials justified themselves by stating that hepatitis was prevalent in the institution and nearly all patients would become infected anyway. The children who did not contract the disease naturally were infected by the administrators to carry on the experiment. This is just one of the atrocious experiments our government has committed against children. In 1939, University of Iowa researchers Wendell Johnson and Mary Tudor conducted a stuttering experiment on 22 orphan children in Davenport, Iowa. The children were separated into two groups, the first of which received positive speech therapy, where children were praised for speech fluency. In the second group, children received negative speech therapy and were belittled for every speech imperfection. Normal speaking children in the second group developed speech problems, which they then retained for the rest of their lives. Terrified by the dues of human experiments conducted by the Nazis, 
Johnson and Tudor never published the results of their monster study. In the 1950s, the CIA's Office of Scientific Intelligence ran a series of mind-controlled projects in an attempt to answer the question, can we get control of an individual to the point where he would do our bidding against his will and even against the fundamental laws of nature? One of these programs, Project Artichoke, studied hypnosis, hypnosis, forced morphine addiction, drug withdrawal, and the use of chemicals to incite amnesia in unwitting human subjects. Though the project was eventually shut down in the mid-1960s, the project opened the door to extensive research on the use of mind control and field operations. In 1932, the US Public Health Service began working with the Tuskegee Institute to track the natural progression of untreated syphilis. 600 poor illiterate male sharecroppers were found and hired in Macon County, Alabama. Of these 600 men- Black male sharecroppers, they omit, of course. Oh yeah, of course. Only 399 have previously contracted syphilis and none were told they had a threatening, a life-threatening disease. Instead, they were told they were receiving free healthcare meals and burial insurance in exchange for participating, even after penicillin was proven an effective cure for syphilis in 1947. The study continued until 1972. In addition to the original subjects, Victims of the study included wives who contracted the disease and children born with congenital syphilis. In 1997, President Bill Clinton formally apologized to those affected by what is often called the most infamous biomedical experiment in US history. In 1954, the CIA developed a program called Project QQ, sorry, QK Hilltop to study Chinese brainwashing techniques, which they then used to develop new methods of interrogation. Leading the research was Dr. Harold Wolf of Cornell University Medical School. After requesting that the CIA provide him with information on imprisonment, deprivation, humiliation, torture, brainwashing, hypnosis, and more, Wolf's research team began to formulate a plan through which they would develop secret drugs and various brain damaging procedures. According to a letter he wrote, in order to fully test the effects of the harmful research, Wolf expected the CIA to make available suitable subjects. During World War II, malaria and other tropical diseases were impeding the efforts of the American military in the Pacific. In order to get a grip, the Malaria Research Project was established at Stateville Penitentiary in Jolette, Illinois. Doctors from the University of Chicago exposed 441 volunteer inmates to, to bites from malaria-infected mosquitoes. Though one inmate died of a heart attack, researchers insisted his death was unrelated to the study the widely praised experiment continued at Statesville for 29 years and included the first human test of primaquin. Oh yeah, I have that, I have that. Well, I don't think it's called primaquin, I think it's called alabaquin, but it's probably the same thing. A medication still used in the treatment of malaria and pneumocystis pneumonia. And the 1954 study of, the study of response of human beings exposed to significant beta and gamma radiation due to fallout from high yield weapons known better as Project 4.1 was a medical study conducted by the US of residents of the Marshall Islands. When the Castle Bravo nuclear test resulted in a yield larger than originally expected, the government instituted a top secret study to evaluate the severity of radiation injury to those accidentally exposed. While well, most sources agree the exposure was unintentional, many Marshallese believe Project 4.1 was planned before the Castle Bravo test 
In all, 239 Marshallese were exposed to significant levels of radiation. In 1951, Dr. Albert M. Kildman, a dermatologist at the University of Pennsylvania and future inventor of Retin A, began experimenting on inmates at Philadelphia's Homesburg prison. As Kildman later told a newspaper reporter, all I saw before me were acres of skin. It was like a farmer seeing a field for the first time. Over the next 20 years, inmates willingly allowed Kilman to use their bodies in experiments involving toothpaste, deodorant, shampoo, skin creams, detergents, liquid diets, eye drops, foot powders, and hair dyes. Though tests required constant biopsies and painful procedures, none of the inmates experienced long-term harm. In 1955, Henrietta Lacks, a poor, uneducated, African-American woman from Baltimore was the unwitting source of cells, which were then cultured for the purpose of medical research. Though researchers had tried to grow cells before, Henrietta's were the first successfully kept alive and cultured and cloned. Henrietta's cells, known as the HeLa cells, have been instrumental in the development of the polio vaccine, cancer research, AIDS research, gene mapping, and countless other scientific endeavors. Henrietta died penniless and was buried without a tombstone in a family cemetery. For decades, her husband and five children were left in the dark about their wife and mother's amazing contribution to modern medicine. In the 1960s, Dr. Lauriette Bender of New York's Creedmoor Hospital began what she believed to be a revolutionary treatment for children with social issues, electroshock therapy. Bender's Bender's methods included interviewing and analyzing a sensitive child in front of a large group, then applying a gentle amount of pressure to the child's head. Supposedly, any child who moved with the pressure was showing early signs of schizophrenia. Herself the victim of a misunderstood childhood, Bender was said to be unsympathetic to children in her care. By the time the treatments were shut down, Bender had used electroshock therapy on over 100 children, the youngest of whom was age three. In the 1960s, researchers at the University of California began to experiment to study changes in blood pressure and blood flow. The researchers used 113 newborns ranging in age from one hour to three days old as test subjects. In one experiment, a catheter was inserted through the umbilical arteries and into the aorta. The new torture, the torture, can you hear this? Do you yeah, see what like they've been doing? A catheter inside a newborn's um, arteries? That's crazy. And the aorta valve, I think that's the heart, right? Yeah. Yep. They put that is the heart. The heart. <sighs> wow. I don't know what's worse, the um, electroshock therapy or the... Because, you know, there was a story about um, this prison in Iowa where they gave a bunch of prisoners too much of the COVID vaccine. So they're still doing this right now, for sure. So, see, I shared this with you just to show, like, there's a pattern for those who are late to the ball game. They've been doing this for forever and a day, you know. So don't just be looking at this so-called pandemic thing. This is a pattern of behavior with these people. Absolutely. Yes, even going back to syphilis. So, so it looks like some of them already have syphilis, and then they gave it to them again, which just shows you right there that they purposely targeted people that were perfectly healthy and this was not a vaccine. Because, if okay, if you want to give somebody a vaccine for STD, you're going to have to give them the STD. 
So it's that's just like right now, um, they're trying to tell people who have had COVID naturally to go get vaccinated, but they already had COVID naturally. So it's just crazy. Now, now it's all coming together. Like, okay, what has been going on since the 30s, since the eugenics movement, since the Nazis, since World War II? It's been a continuous pattern of experimentation. They never stopped. They never stopped. It's, it's never the stopped. They literally just moved all the German Nazis to America and, you know, changed them to doctors and gave them credentials. And yeah, you know, even with, um, like, there's this book called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest I read in high school, which was about um, this guy who was put in, like, a mental hospital in, like, the 60s and the shit that they would do to people. Yeah, I read that. Yep. They would like chop off a part of their brain or something. I got to read that book again. But yeah. One thing missing, Shakem, is look up guinea, ki- guinea Pig Kids, ACS, NYC. They were giving black and brown children oh, HIV drugs without their parents' consent. Wow. Okay. Um, okay. Got you. What is it called again? Guinea pig kids. Guinea pig kids. Okay, I got you. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna look that up. Um, guinea pig kids. So yeah, um, even even the the treatments of what they are doing now with the uh, the polio vaccine, I had no idea that they based their research for the polio vaccine on first cells. Um, and yeah, I just saw a documentary that you guys definitely want to check out. It's called Medical, I think it's called Medical Apartheid Racism or Medical Racism Apartheid. You can find it yeah. at childrenshealthdefense.org. Robert F. Kennedy's website produced this. And uh, they found that people, people are literally getting paralyzed from this polio vaccine. Uh, they are literally, uh, you know, forcing this on children in Africa. And uh, I had no idea, though, that this polio vaccine somehow was connected to them uh, keeping her cells. And um, the fact that they buried her without a tombstone, you know, no respect for her. You know, it's just sick. You know, how they could have been. Shaquem, gave her people, mar- Shaquem people are marching in the streets saying they want health care, though. Give me more access. Don't leave me out. You see, you see the games they play. This is what people are begging for. They have no idea what they're asking for yeah absolutely absolutely so basically so are they saying that her cells something like her cells did not die when she died basically like they were still alive and so they they basically copied her cells and cloned them and yeah so what they did for the testing purposes because hers were the strongest hers were able to survive the things that they were doing to it in terms of the mutations and manipulation and that's why they stuck with her they tested a bunch of folk and then they finally landed on a black woman who survived and it was like right well we got our jackpot and we're going to stay with this Mm -hmm. yeah yeah wow okay so, All yeah. the while, never telling her family and, and herself. She had no idea what they were doing to her. And of course, too, she was never even compensated. Of course not. But Black Lives Matter. Right. Of course. And yeah, that just shows you the power of our genes. Because like I've talked about before on other podcasts, when we talk about um, DNA teleportation. So Luke Mugner, the guy who discovered HIV, 
he actually proved that DNA can teleport. Like if you have a cup of water and you put DNA in it, and then you put some tubes um, across from it that don't have any DNA in it, they found out like within two weeks, the other tubes have the DNA from the other tube in it, meaning that DNA can literally teleport. So our genes, the black woman's genes, we, I mean, we don't even know how powerful we are. We, we really think we're just human beings. And it's like everything that they're doing, it just shows you that they know something about ourselves, something about our DNA is different and they are afraid of that. And so now at this point, they don't give a fuck. They, they will kill white people at this point. They don't even care that they don't have enough babies. They're just like, fuck it, we gotta kill everybody. And we gotta get rid of the blacks. We gotta get rid of their DNA. And we got to breed the, the uh, aggressive black males out. But it's not going to work. I mean, I just saw a woman in Africa have nine babies at one time. Nine fucking babies. So it's like, I don't know what's going on in Africa. I don't know why women are having so many kids. But it's like everyone, like there's one woman in Africa that got 42 kids. So I don't know why. I'm, I'm, maybe it's the sunlight or something. Maybe the vitamin D that they get. But it's like the black women and obviously the black men are very, very fertile over there. So even with all of their experiments with the AIDS epidemic, they said the population of Africa actually doubled during the AIDS epidemic, which echoes what this other guy was saying when he was saying, oh, no, AIDS isn't killing people fast enough. So here's a tidbit, too, for the listening audience. Uh, you can look into the medical research. Black men have the highest levels of testosterone, i.e. we are the most masculine. But again, you know, do you want the science or not? Because the science shows one thing. The narrative tells us another thing about our people. But when you dig into it, these people know who we are, that we are set apart. We are different. Unfortunately, we don't know that. And instead, we keep begging and want to be more involved and in sharing in this society when the Most High set us apart. Mm -hmm. Yeah, praise God for that. Praise God, I don't have white genes. Cause... I even saw one white person said they don't even want to have kids because they're genes. Like that's fucked up. But um, but yeah, um, that's all I have for you guys today. I did not mean to stay on here this long, but. Hey, at least you got two hours worth of information. Um, and yeah, we're going to be back tomorrow with some new stuff. So if you find anything interesting out there, you know, feel free to email me, feel free to text me or um, contact me. If you find anything um, interesting between today and tomorrow, I'm sure there's going to be something um, interesting coming out. So thank you guys for coming to my podcast as always. Thank you to my guests, Outlaw and T-Pre. And I will see you guys in the next video. Peace. Peace. Okay.